Welcome to the Boho News Podcast. Here, we share the latest news, comments and opinion from across the boutique, lifestyle and luxury hotel sectors, along with thought-provoking interviews with industry leaders. My name's Eloise Hansen, editor at BHN and host of this week's episode. This time, I'm speaking with Harsha Lakwa, founder of Syrah Hospitality, about what needs to change in the recruitment process, plans to launch Syrah's social credit card, and the need to build a strong brand presence. Thank you, Harsha, for joining me in today's episode. I know we have been trying to find the time for a little while now to eventually sit down um, and catch up. So it's been an absolute pleasure uh, on my behalf to have you uh, on my show. I would like to kick off with um, a question about Syra Hospitality. Could you please introduce the company and how the concept works? Sure. Well, thank you for having me on, finally. (laughs) (laughs) So Syra Hospitality is a nonprofit that partners with luxury and lifestyle hotels uh, globally. And we create both pop-up and permanent schools and really to give a demographic that may have been overlooked and the knowledge, the skills, but most importantly, the confidence to then build careers in hospitality. I mean, at the moment, there is such a huge focus within the hotel space predominantly, but other hospitality businesses too, Mm. around staffing. And there is a you know, the staff have effectively left the sector. There's a huge gap now in the market mm-hmm. that hoteliers are trying to fill and struggling to do so. Yeah. From your experience and your background, what do you think needs to change in that recruitment process to overcome this challenge? Yeah, um, it's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's definitely been on people's minds for quite a while this this challenge in in finding talent and I think it's coming over to the consumers and the guests now too and and they're realizing the struggle that everyone's facing some are patient some are not Um, (laughs) but I think I think it has to have changed I mean it's something that needed to be changed Mm. quite a long time ago I think for a long time our industry, and I'm sure many people listening to this can relate to working for very, very, very little money, really long hours, holidays. And that was kind of the way it, it was and it is still in many, um, in many operations. People will say, well, this is the industry. You know, mm-hmm. this, this is just if you want to work in the industry, this is what the industry is about. And I don't think that's right. And I think what happened was that the pandemic gave people a break. And I always kind of relate it to a bad relationship. <laughs> and so it's, it's when you're in these kind of toxic relationships um, that just as people, some people had with, with work and with the industry in the past, and you get this break out of nowhere and you take a break from this and you kind of look back and you, you think to yourself, you know, what was I doing? And you see another side to life Mm-hmm. you know and you kind of have some clarity and I think that's what's happened and I think people need to realize that those people a lot of those people who used to work in in hospitality who used to work for them uh, may not and most likely are not coming back 
Mm-hmm. And so what needs to change is this mindset that we have as hotel operators, that we need to find that perfect fit and that person that has experience and that person who um, you know, comes from this school or this background or um, that doesn't happen anymore. This is a really um, beautiful, life-changing industry, but also one of the hardest industries to work on mm-hmm. in. I would say. And so two things have to change. You have to realize that you're looking for someone else now. You may be looking for an older demographic. You may not be able to say, oh, I'm not hiring someone who doesn't, who has tattoos all over them or who has no experience in the industry or, you know, things that we used to care about may not care. You may not need to, you may not be able, I would say, to care about anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think you need to look at what's really important to people, just like I think hotel operators are realizing and you know if someone is a single mother which we have a lot in our schools right these are demographics that really kind of struggle to find work so is it a matter of figuring out childcare with that person mm-hmm. you know is it a matter of um understanding what are the challenges that your potential employees may be facing and trying to overcome them together Mm -hmm. I think is something that's really important and showing them that you want to make this work. So maybe you do get weekends, you know, (laughs) a crazy notion of maybe you do get a holiday. Maybe you're not working for seven days straight. Maybe you're paying uh, not just, you know, the national minimum wage, but you're paying, for example, the London living wage. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're paying a bit more to those people who are really front of house and the ones that are really interacting with your guests. So these are the entry level positions that often I think hotel owners and operators will say, okay, we can, we can get away with paying the minimum wage because these, these don't need experience, but these are the people who are interacting with your guests. Mm. So maybe these are actually the most important positions in the, in the hotel. And I always tell the students or tell the trainers to, to pass this on to the students that hotels can run if the managers and supervisors don't show up to work. But if the housekeepers don't show up to work, if, if, you know, if, if the valet don't show up to work, if the bellmen don't show up to work, if no one's there to check them in, then mm-hmm. how's the hotel going to work without these, these minimum wage entry level positions? I think we need to reframe that whole mindset. Like I'm seeing hotels now that are closing down floors, you know, like having so much demand from the guest, but not being able to meet them. And we're all seeing that, right? Because the house, no one's, no one's working in housekeeping right now. Mm. So you have to, I think, to, to change this whole, to address, I guess, the challenge that the industry is facing. You really have to look at what's important when you're hiring mm-hmm. and, and kind of adapt to their needs because we all know it's a difficult industry to work in and we have to address that too. And why is it so difficult to work in? And what can we be flexible with? You know, can we do part-time? Things that the crazy ideas that we never thought would be possible before, I think they're possible now. I suppose moving the conversation on to to new ventures, um, Siren Hospitality has just launched its first London school, if I'm not mistaken, in fact, I believe the students have just graduated from <laughs> the London school. And, yeah. I mean, I saw uh, lots of activity, um, mm. particularly over LinkedIn, about this school, and when I went onto the Syra hospitality website um it it reads quote 
there's never been a greater need to bring our approach to London, end Mm. quote. And I'm really curious to hear what was it about London that um, inspired you to make this city the next important step for Syrah? Well, first of all, London's home. (laughs) So it was a really, I I would say, rewarding experience to finally go home and do something for a city that raised um, Mm. my sisters and I and so that's kind of on a personal note but on the same level you know I think the obvious two things that stood out to us for London was Brexit Um, so, so London kind of had two two challenges, right? Everyone was facing the pandemic and working um, in an industry where no one wanted to work there anymore. But then we also had Brexit, mm-hmm. and so I think that kind of double uh, challenge, in a way, made it one of the most perfect places to launch because the need had never really been greater. But we also saw kind of this collective approach coming together, and we saw that. Um, hotels that potentially may have been competitors weren't really thinking in that competitive mindset Mm. and the community of London um, or I I should say the community of London hotels was was really quite strong and is quite strong Mm. and so we did not expect that we would have a collective of hotels like um, Nobu as well as kind of Citizen M, as well as, you know, Town Hall and really different levels of, of luxury as well. Mm-hmm. So to have all of these very diverse partners all in one collective kind of showed to us that the need is, is really across the board. Um, and it doesn't really matter if people are paying a thousand pounds or 200 pounds. We're finding that our students, some were really comfortable in the very, very luxury settings mm-hmm. um, when they're working in hotels, but some were more comfortable with the lifestyle approach to service. Mm-hmm. And the level of service remains the same um, throughout luxury and lifestyle, because we always focus on the five-star kind of approach to service. It doesn't mean that it's white glove. It doesn't mean that mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable, but it means that it's it's understanding what the guest at every level needs, regardless of what they're paying. So I think, I think just the need in London and the open-mindedness and the collective approach and the community that was forming amongst hotels that we'd never seen before um, made it a really interesting place to launch one of our first permanent schools, which is essentially what it will be. So we have just graduated the, the first round of graduates and um, really interesting. And I, I won't, I don't think we have enough time to go into all the takeaways that we learned from that first pilot. Um, But we are excited that we're going to be launching the second pilot in um, October 31st is scheduled Mm -hmm. and it will now be a four week program. Some of the partners from the first program are coming into the second one. Some of the partners from the first program are coming into the third one um, just because of budgets (laughs) budgets <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think anyone knew whether we were going to launch two in the first year I didn't think we realized we would be launching two in the first year so some of our partners are coming with us for the second and third and some are, are meeting us in 2023 but yeah London seems to be a good a good market and hopefully a model we can take elsewhere yeah absolutely it sounds like um, there's lots of exciting things coming down the line and I certainly can't wait to hear what the October program is is going to bring <laughs> Let's move on to look at the um, 
the social credit card. Again, something that I came across on the website, which I'm just so eager to learn more about this. So can you please just explain what the social credit card is? Sure. Yeah, it's, it was a concept that I came across, or I, I, I guess I should say it was a concept that I thought about during the pandemic and there was a lot of panels as you know and there was a lot of there was a lot of webinars and we were talking about what people are looking for when they do start to travel again mm. and um, one of the things I realized as I was traveling was I felt a little hypocritical because I, I I know we do these schools and but when I personally travel I'm not sure how to interact with the community I'm not sure other than leaving the housekeeping a tip I don't know what I'm doing you know that's that's really serving the community around the hotel or the Airbnb or wherever it is that I'm traveling so I thought about this idea of of really helping the hotels to make it easy for the guests to give back mm -hmm. and something that I always thought could be um, quite manageable is to create this almost a la carte menu for the guests so when they check in or buy their room or buy the pool or wherever it is that you would often leave as a hotel um, a menu of food items or you know a, a classic restaurant menu or spa menu you leave this menu kind of of the Cyrus social um, credit card where there's it's divided into two so it's divided into uh, time and it's divided into money mm -hmm. and depending on what you want to give back if you have a couple of hours or you're like you know what I have a couple of days you know I'm not, I'm not doing anything for these two days or you know depending on how much time you have you're given a range from say one to five of different things that you could do and it could be based on your skills right so I would love to go and talk to for example a group of women as to how to start their own business mm -hmm. and I would potentially spend anywhere from say two hours on an overview of what a business plan looks like to a week where I'm spending two hours a day taking them through the different concepts of business plans and you know what competition is about and how do they think differently and I feel like even though it seems like a chore to us in the beginning, and that's kind of where the credits come in, um, that's often going to be the most rewarding part of people's holidays when they actually get to interact with the community and say, oh, we did this, or we built a relationship with this person. or we're going, People go back to hotels because of the relationship they had with the bartender. That interaction is really understated and undervalued. So, mm -hmm. but I do think that if you had an add-on, let's say, you know, people love loyalty points. Mm -hmm. My husband used to work for, for Starwood when it was Starwood back in the day. And it was, you know, really amazed at how much people would, would you know, uh, value mm -hmm. the loyalty points. And so the idea being that you get something back. So let's say you do two hours and, um, you know, uh, whatever that may look like maybe you're going to the local farm it really depends on your interest maybe you're teaching English you you get something back so you get a spa treatment or you get an upgrade or you get points or however it may look um, but that part I think is really is for some people maybe important just to kind of get them into that mindset of you know now we got to get a wine tasting you know and it's yeah 
it may or may not be necessary that part but I think it's an interesting one to play with but I think the other part of this is you really need to understand the community to do something and that's where we come in because it's an it's the concept of addressing the real needs and that's mm-hmm. something that is sometimes overlooked when hotels give back and they say oh we put a football field in for the locals that's great don't get me wrong I think sports and teamwork can do amazing things for people but maybe what they really need is clean water or maybe they need a healthcare you know clinic or what are the needs and that that's where we come in to identify within the community what the needs are how this is really going to work because it sounds simple but logistically I know it's not so our idea was to help the hotels connect with communities we do it now through education and employment Mm-hmm. And this is just another way that we would really like to see hotels have this impact on communities and the idea of, of, of not just taking, but give back before you take is something that we really feel strongly about at Syra. Mm-hmm. Well, I really hope that we can see this uh, social credit card in play at some point down the line. And I will take this moment to encourage anyone who is listening to this podcast right now, if they are interested in learning more, then please do reach out to Harsha. Um, and she can, <laughs> she can tell you more about how this model can work and what it might look like for you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we would. We would really like to, to launch this. And it's something that we think can be done like our schools pretty much all over the world. Um, but it just needs it just needs some traction at the moment for people to start seeing it. Hopefully soon we can we can get that off the ground. We are close to running out of our time, Harsha. So I have one <laughs> final question for you before we close off today. But why do you think that that now is the right time to build a positive brand presence? I think. As you said, um, we chatted a little bit before the podcast, right, about how important it is for marketing and for um, hotels to to have this brand presence, even in a pandemic when people weren't traveling, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to know who are they staying with. Um, we're very much in that purpose economy, right? And so the guests want to know that they're asking more questions, as, as we should ask more questions about the brand. So there's two parts to um kind of where you need to focus as an operator in 2023, mm-hmm. I think. And, and one is the guest perception, which is what we just talked about, the classic kind of brand awareness, driving bookings and sales. Um, but the other is the employer brand, which we're seeing and obviously mm-hmm. is something that all um, operators need to think about in the crisis and the challenges that we're having with recruitment at the moment. And I don't think that brands necessarily are realizing the need to invest in their employer brand as much as their kind of guest perception. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really important to ensure they're just as appealing um, so, so that new talent, um, you know, to, to basically appeal to new talent, right? You have to employ, invest in your employer brand. So, you know, working with organizations like Syra, it's not just great for sourcing entry-level talent, which is obviously the core of our work, but it also helps you to build your employer brand presence, which increases the hires, which we're seeing increase the hires of more senior talent, which is not something that we're normally um, focused on, right? But what we're seeing is that more than ever, people want to work with brands that care and that give back mm-hmm. and that offer equal opportunities. So investing in the employer brand we're seeing is having really positive effects across the whole talent search Mm -hmm. and you could even argue that 
travelers and guests are also aligning their values with the brands that they now invest in be it the mm. hotel brand that they go and stay and if these travelers know that said hotel brand is passionate and encouraging and motivating and and genuinely looks after their staff it's, right. it's going to position them well in the in the future and, and down the line so. you know something for example something that we're seeing is uh, we have a restaurant in London, um, not not Syra, but one of our uh, collective. We we have something called the Syra Circle in London, and these are people based in London or with a lot of contacts in London who really believe in what we're doing. And one of them is a restaurant owner, um, Chantal, and she has put you know on her menu, uh, sorry, on her receipts when when people are paying um at the bottom of it just a little note to say x amount is going to Syro hospitality and this is what they do in london and this could be and i'm not saying everyone listening to this i mean it'd be great thank you very much yeah. we do a lot more schools but what i'm saying is people want to see that you know people mm. want to see that this is a brand or a restaurant that's not just you know purely for profit and they're actually doing something for the community and I think it's really important to think about doing things for the local nonprofit. Mm -hmm. I think what's really powerful is learning about something in your own city where you're dining or where you're staying and and it's a really easy way to raise funds mm -hmm. for for these nonprofits, but also for for whatever it is that you feel passionately about because no one's going to complain about the 25 pence that's going, you know, or, or this item, for example, on the menu, if you order this item, it's going to, you know, this charity or this nonprofit. And I think that's becoming more and more important from the guest side of things. You know, mm -hmm. we're asking so many questions like, um, how much plastic are you using? What are you doing to support people? You know, mm -hmm. you know, to see someone that you've known for so many years going from bartender to F&B manager or supervisor is really is exciting you kind of feel as a guest if you're going to this place a lot that you're kind of growing with them yeah. and building that relationship and you know learning it, it becomes more of a relationship and less transactional when you get to see people elevate through the industry even as a guest right but especially for the um senior level talent i think it's really important to say you know, they're asking them, themselves questions because all of us have choices right now. Where do we mm -hmm. want to work? You know, is it, is kind of it's out, it's on us. It's it's our market, right? As um as employees, it's it's kind of the buyer's market, if you like. So, yeah. so you have to, you know, as an employer, you really have to think. You know, what am I? What am I doing? How am I attracting the best talent? And and showing employees that you're a brand with purpose is more important now than ever we feel anyway what a brilliant note to end this podcast on and, and a high <laughs> note to to say the least thank you so much harsha for your time and oh, thank you best of luck with the october edition of the the london school no doubt i'll be coming along to say hello i hope so <laughs> i hope so come and meet the students definitely but best of luck with all that you're achieving. It's, it's, a, it's a great cause. And um, I look you. forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you. It's nice to speak. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to the Boho News podcast. If you'd like to keep up to date with industry news, head on over to boutiquehotelnews.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter.